We've been in uh, this series where week one we talked about Stretch Armstrong. Week two we had an Etch-a-Sketch talking about an Etch-a-Sketchy past. And today we're going to be talking about my buddy and kid's sister. You know, Play School had a, a great idea to re- kind of reinvent the wheel with dolls. And they connected to a, a new generation beyond Barbie and kid's sister and my buddy. And the idea was get, get boys to play with, with dolls. It was very controversial at the time. There were like pastors even preaching against my buddy. And... and uh, uh, because of what, you know, it meant. But could you, could you, you know, if you remember if you had kids or if you were a kid back in then, back in those days, it was in the 80s, uh, you know, uh, little Timmy and little Susie would grab their buddy and their kid sister and they would run through the backyard and kid sister would have a teacup party, do a little My Little Pony and my buddy would be building bike ramps with his butt and being in the fort and picking boogers and and they just play all day long and then at night little Timmy and Susie would fall to sleep and they would go to bed with my buddy and kid sister and then late at night My buddy was a, uh, kind of was the catalyst for the Chucky doll. That's, thank you, play school for the nightmares. Um, we're going to talk about buddies. Uh, there are these four words in life that are so true, no matter how you grew up, where you grew up, uh, socioeconomic, ethnic, ethnicity, you, you name it. There are four words that mean a whole lot. And it's these words, I had these friends. Or for today, I had these buddies. And friends can keep you on the straight and narrow, or friends can get you to do things you'd never thought you would do, positive and, and negative. And there are buddies in the scripture uh, that invite their friends to do things that go counter to God, and there are buddies that bring their friends close to God. So we're going to talk about a, a little bit today. And so I want to share a little story. You wouldn't consider it a Christmas story. Um, it's right in the middle of the Gospels. Um, but it's, it's a story that can connect us to this season and why Jesus came to earth as a human in the first place. And so to begin this story, what I want to do is I actually want to, I almost want to start with like the rolling of the end credits, like the end fades into the scene and they're riding out uh, towards the sunset. I want to start with the very last statement in this story and then we'll rewind and we'll, we'll get to that part. The end of this story, it, it, the sun begins to set on the story with this scripture in mind. Everyone involved in that story was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and they said, man, we have seen remarkable things today. You know what I'm praying for you and the rest of your 2018 and moving into 2019? Every beginning of the year, we start with a time of prayer and fasting. We'll have worship nights on Wednesday nights in January. And I'm, I'm believing that, that this is going to be a year, a season at Timber Creek, but way beyond the church body, your individual life, your family, that you're going to be able to say this scripture and truly mean it, that you are amazed in the end of 2018, that you were amazed going into 2019, giving praise to God, filled with the awe of God. How quickly 
the glitz and the glamour uh, uh, of, the, of the Christmas wrapping and, and all of the, the, the tinsel and the twine, all of that takes such effort and energy, we can lose the awe of just God with us. We've said it probably 20 times today, Emmanuel, God with us, and we can so lose the fact that God, creator of the cosmos, wanted to get close to people. That he does not like other gods and religions. Their story says, you, you, if you even want to think about getting close to me, you better do A, B, C, D, and E. And God puts all the heavy lifting in his own hands and says, I'm going I'm to get close to you whether you decide to get close to me or not. Wow. And I'm believing that this next year we're going to see remarkable things for the kingdom of God. Not our will be done, but his will be done. Now, how did they get to this point? Well, we got we to back up 30 minutes earlier into the story. And this story is told in the gospels. It's told in the book of Luke, in the book of Matthew, and in the book of Mark. Different eyewitnesses tell the same story. Luke chapter 5, Matthew chapter 9, and Mark chapter 2. We're going to read the story from Luke's perspective in Luke chapter 5. And here's how it it starts off. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some nuggets. If you are taking notes, uh, just turn your study guide over. There's no fill in the blanks today, but, but I'm going to give you about, about exactly, not just about, I'm going to give you exactly nine nuggets from this story. Nine really fast nuggets that you can connect to your personal life and to the Christmas season from a story that doesn't even seem like Christmas. Oh, but it's all about, it's all about Christmas. Okay, you ready? So let's start with the story. Here it is in Luke chapter 5. Now one day, Jesus was teaching. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. It, it was the, 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 the cream of the crop, the magna cum laude, the, 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 uh, the, the people with the master's degree in religion. Um, they, they, they had a certain perspective on God. They had actually created systems and added over 600 new rules that God never said add, but they had, they had added all these rules on how you get, how you get uh, 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 freedom with God and closeness with God and they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So they had begun to hear the pitter-patter on, on Twitter and on Facebook and the Insta stories. And so they decided, we're going to see this for ourselves. So they all caravaned over and they, they came to this house in Capernaum. And they wanted to hear what Jesus was all about. Like, what's your deal, Jesus? And so Jesus began to teach them. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now I want to show you something here that's very important. Jesus didn't come just to talk. Jesus didn't come just to preach. There was with him the power to reach people where they were in their deepest, darkest need. And so I want to give you the first reality of this story. The first nugget is number one. God's priority is people. God's priority has been, is, and shall be people. There, there, there is not a more important priority to God. There's no other reason God would scoop up Jesus, the most valuable treasure in heaven, and spend him. Why? For God so loved the what? World. And he's not talking about the icebergs. He's not talking about the trees. I think we should be good stewards 
of the land we've been given, the earth we've been blessed with. But he's not talking about God so loved the environment. God so loved you. You make up his world that he gave his only son. God's priority is people. And in this Christmas season, we, we say things like this. You know, we've said this popular. Jesus is the what? The reason for the? I always say it. It's on Christmas cards. Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen, brother. We say that. That's good. That's sweet. That's cute. But I want to say something to you. If Jesus were to stand here this morning, uh, yes, we celebrate God coming to earth in the form of a human, completely human, completely divine. But, but, but if Jesus were here, he would say, you are the reason for the season. That is, as much as we celebrate Jesus, um, we're celebrating the fact that he, that he gave us access to God. That's the reason for this. You are the reason for the season. God's priority is people. So write it down. If Jesus is important to you, people will be important to you. You, you cannot say Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is important to me. Thank you, God. Here in this presence, whatever we were singing. And then you get in the parking lot and you go to Burger King. And you're like, you didn't get my nuggets right. Idiot Burger King worker. Like you can't treat people like junk and praise Jesus on Sunday. Now you, you can, you can, but you're missing the whole priority of God. You're missing the whole heart of God. He, he, he so loved the world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment, love people. God's priority is people. So if Jesus is important to you, people have got to be important to you. Well, I'm kind of a recluse. I'm kind of my own person. I'm really introverted. People are a priority for all of us. So the, the story goes on, and this is a true story. This really happened with Jesus, and three different eyewitnesses tell this story. It goes to say, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, and some men, some buddies, they came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And these guys knew this man. They knew his condition. I don't know if they grew up together and he was born this way or through some kind of tragic accident. He lost his ability to walk. But they had enough care for this particular guy that they would take time out of their schedule to pick him up and personally with their own strength, they were committed. They were committed with their time. They were committed with their strength. They were committed with their friendship to take this friend to Jesus. Would you write this down, number two? There are some people that simply won't or can't come to Jesus on their own. There just are. There are some people... If, if, it was only, if it was only just us and God, it can, it can be that way for some, there would be no need for the spoken word. There would be no need to go out into the highways and byways, compel them to come into my house and my house may be full. There would be no need for us to have spiritual gifts and for the body to lift up the name of Jesus unless there are just some people that simply can't or won't come to Jesus on their own. Paul, the apostle, says it like this to the Corinthian church. He says, the God of this age 
The enemy today has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they, they, they look, look, they cannot see the light of the gospel. It's like, how, why, why don't they get it? Why doesn't my husband get it? Why doesn't my uncle get it? Why doesn't my mom get it? Why doesn't my dad get it? It's because there are people that don't even realize they're blind that are blind. And they can't see. It's, it, here's how it works. Like both of you might come to a church service. And man, you, you, you experience the presence of Jesus. And they're kind of like, yeah. yeah. You can hear the same thing over and over and not change. You can, see, you can hear the same message and, and, and not be moved. And it's not like, it's, it's like they've been blinded. It's been blinded. And it's not a shame on you. It's like, oh, oh, Jesus, help us. Help us to see. It's why he's called the light of the world. Because he came to make blind people see again. And that, that, that they can't see the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. When we see Jesus, we see God. And the God of this age, selfishness, uh, our own understanding and knowledge and self-transcendence, it can become a God that blinds us to the necessity to surrender to Jesus. Number three, my availability, though, can set the stage for a God opportunity in someone's life. They had allowed themselves to become available instead of taking another, just another Sunday coming over to Brad's house, who was paralyzed. We'll call him Brad for the rest of the service. Paralyzed Brad. And Brad has everybody over at the house and they bring over the, the chips and the queso and the hummus. And they're watching the Jerusalem Jaguars take on the Capernaum Cougars. And they're watching the sports and, and, and someone gets a notification on their phone and they say, whoa, Jesus is down the road. And they take time out of their little fiesta to say, hey, Brad, this guy works miracles. Brad says, I'm game if you're game. And they gather Brad up and they begin the journey. The scripture says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. They tried, but there was an obstacle. There, there was an issue. They, they couldn't, their plan had to go to, uh, 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 they had to call an audible towards what they were going to do. Here's why, here's why. They could not find a way to do this because of the what? The crowd. The crowd. Write this down. Number four. Religious people are a common obstacle that keeps others from getting close to Jesus. Religious people who fill up the good seats on Sunday that have, a, have, have, a, that have come to kind of just... Listen and, 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 and just kind of, you know, just kind of see what's going on. That's who had shown up to listen to Jesus. The anointing was on Jesus to heal the hurting. They were there to question him and to challenge him, to tap their foot, make notes, pull their glasses all the way down and look at each other. Like, 
No, I don't want to say it like that. <laughs> we got to be careful. Because we would never claim that we would be the religious person that would become a roadblock for people to see Jesus. But the way we can say one thing and do another is a very religious-y thing. Hypocritical, hypocrit, uh, hypocrisy can be something that, that takes on an air of religion that can keep people from seeing Jesus. Now, now, you wouldn't probably consider yourself maybe a religious person when you consider the different definitions of religion. But here's religion. It's a particular system of faith and worship. A partic- our religion is Protestant. Our, our religion is Christ-centered. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's grace by faith, all right? But, but that's a particular religion. However, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this kind of attitude, a religious attitude where we're pursuing uh, or, or we have a pursuit or an interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance, that they put a supremium on the importance of some little detail of how church should be, the kind of songs that should be sung, whether or not lights should be up, whether or not lights should be down, whether we should have pews or whether we should have chairs, whether we should cover pews with seat covers, dear God. <laughs> we can get religious on stuff. We, 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 can, we, we can put the main things secondary to the little bitty Things Self-interest can become more important. Let's not be those people that become a crowd. That, that, that other people say, ah, I don't know if I'm interested in Jesus. Because we didn't find room. Or we were so busy doing our own thing that we didn't see the need outside the door. The scripture goes on in Luke 5. Well, they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd. So here's what they do. So they went up on the roof, and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles. Another story says they ripped open the roof and sent him down to the tiles. And the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Could you imagine just hearing like a... (laughs) In the middle of the message, like, oh... See if I pull them out. But we're really going to have a healing service if I do that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, it's the little things. Could you imagine Keith and Charlie and Sam and Devin? They say, Brad, we got an idea. We can't get you close to Jesus, so we're going to climb the roof. Are you with us? He's like, uh-huh. uh, I guess, I guess, <laughs> let's go for it. They get up on the roof, and there they go, slowly bringing Brad down to the floor, 10 inches from the floor. Poof, they drop him. <laughs> like, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> they did whatever it took to get people to Jesus. Let me give you this fifth nugget. It is not a new concept to deploy creative methods designed to bring people to Jesus. It's not a new idea. I want to share something with you. 
um, our church <clears throat> can be on blast every once in a while. That's how the how kids say it, you know. Basically, we can come under a lot of fire. We can come under criticism. Maybe you felt the brunt of it. Maybe you've had someone be critical because that church is giving away a car, bless God. They ought to be giving it to the poor. They're giving away a car, said they're giving money to the poor. Uh, they, 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 they're bringing in snow at Christmas, and they, you know, it's become about snow. It's not about Jesus anymore. As long as they can get people through the door, yeah, we get on blast like that. Um, to me, if you're not getting criticized for something, you're probably not doing much. Uh, but, but here's the deal. Um, I make it a goal never to criticize another church. There's enough darkness out there that we, we ought not be criticizing other churches. That we're all in this, we're all in this together. Sorry. A little high school musical. You're welcome. Just people get critical. They just get a critical spirit over new things. I mean, seriously, um, other pastors, the day, the day we gave a car away a couple months ago, you know we had like 300 new families connect to the church through that? Like, whoa, that's crazy. Because two people said, hey, we'll pay for that car. That'd be a great inroad. The same way Jesus broke uh, a couple of fish and some loaves of bread that, that got a crowd. That got a crowd. A crowd. Like they fed the crowd. They kept following him because he gave them fishes and loaves. Look, some people come back. What, are you going to give me a car too? Well, no. Um, we want to show you something beyond the car. But, you know, new methods is nothing new. It, it, like, like, and we're unafraid to saw some holes in some roofs to lower people and help them find Jesus. That's what we're, that's what we're about. Creative methods. You know, uh, the snow, we're going to spend a lot of money on bringing snow. And you know why? Be, because we just, we want to create a space where it's easy to rip a hole in the roof and invite people to Jesus. Uh, what we're doing out at the, at the prison is different. Even other ministries will criticize us that are in the prison for doing what we're doing. Can, can I just share just a, such a, a, a great story that happened just this last week? So we, we were under kind of a gun and they had to move our Christmas services from this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, to last Wednesday. And we had two services designed for our, our fellows at the Dieball Correctional Center, uh, one at, at 5.30 and one at 7.30. And it was voluntary. There was no strings attached. Um, you could come if you wanted. You didn't have to come. And we cut a hole in the roof for them by saying, uh, we're going to feed everybody pizza afterwards. If you want to come, you'll get some pizza. And, and we're glad to serve it to you. And when they showed up, I said to them before I preached, if you're here just for the pizza, then I am so glad you're here. If anything, maybe I can give you a little nap, and then you can, you can go back to your cell full on Marco's Pizza. If that's all you get out of today, you're welcome. I'm glad you're here. Nothing wrong with that. Like, that's okay. We're just cutting holes in roofs to get people close to Jesus. Here's the cool thing. Oh, I got a little passionate there. Sorry, a little, a little loud. <laughs> Voluntarily, friends, 100% of the entire prison attended. 
our services. <laughs> pastor Alvin, our prison venue pastor, was over in the corner like this. <laughs> We did a survey with them at the end where we invited them to accept Christ. And I do a Christmas survey every year, and you'll see it next week in our services, in our five services in English and two in Spanish over in the student center. And the survey says, circle A, if you are already following Jesus. B, if you'd like to start or restart a relationship with Christ. C, if you're still considering it, not ready yet. Or D, no thanks, this really isn't for me. And... We had a Muslim population, Jewish population of the prison. Every faith that's represented was there because of 100% participation. And we had many, many people make a decision, many guys make a decision to start or restart a relationship. Over close to 100 decisions for people to ask Jesus into their heart or to restart a relationship. That, that, ought, to, that ought to say thank you to Jesus right there. But I also said to the guys, hey, if, if you've marked D, no thanks. I still want you to know. I want to remind you. I'm just going to be praying for you. That God in his own way would show you who he is. And I'm still glad you're here. And I'm so glad that you get to join us for pizza. And then we prayed and we were dismissing. And everybody was getting in line to the pizza. And a guy came up to me, twinkle in his eye. He said, hey, I'm marked D. Um. But what you just said about that you're still glad we're here, I grew up in church and man, it was, it was just, it felt fake and it didn't feel real. And, but you know, I changed, I scratched that out before I handed my survey card in and I circled C because, because I, I felt something inside me say, would you still consider it? So thanks. I'm going to. I'm going to consider it more. He got some pizza, don't even know his name. But that's why we cut holes in roofs at Timber Creek Church. It's why we give away cars. It's why we bring in snow. It's why someone out in between services uh, just a few moments ago, we were out in the lobby, and they said we were at a Christmas party last night. And somebody said, hey, I was thinking about going to Timber Creek Church. I've never been. And has anybody here been? And Lorena was going to say, hey, and say something. And someone else chimed in and said, hey, we're Catholic, but whenever we want to cheat on the Catholic church, we go to Timber Creek. They said, I love this. They said, and, and, and the, the wife said, our kids get so much Jesus when they go to Timber Creek. It's crazy. And, and the guy said, it's like, it's like the Disneyland of churches. We love it whenever we feel like cheating on the Catholic church. That's hilarious. You know, we're just cutting holes in roofs, everybody. We're just trying to provide an opportunity for people to get closer to Jesus. Do you know why we're, we're, we're stretching out, why we're taking big risks, and, and we're getting ready to, to launch a campus in Nacogdoches? You know why we're doing that? Because we're just trying to cut holes in roofs for people to get closer to Jesus. Are there churches in that? You bet. 
Are there some fantastic churches in, in Nacogdoches? 100%. But if you filled every single auditorium in Nacogdoches twice, there would still be plenty, hundreds if not thousands of men and women who still need to get close to Jesus, who without someone bringing them close, without someone cutting a hole in the roof, we don't know, they may not or cannot get close. So, man, we're going to provide that community destination with the lobby and Cafe Aroma and Kids Area and Worship Center. Tonight, we're, uh, we, we still have a system where we vote on borrowing money. We're going to borrow some money to make it happen. And tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to do that. If you've gone through starting point, you can be a part of the process. If you've not gone through starting point, you can still be here. We, we want to show you how Christ followers do a good business. Like when you show up, it's not like uh, people are like, I'm going to talk about like, you know, like some church business meetings. <laughs> like we, we like, we, we keep our cool. We're, we're pretty cool. We do good business together. Come and check us out. We're cutting holes in roofs. We want to do whatever it takes to help people get closer to Jesus. The Bible continues in the story and they lower in the middle of this talk. In the middle of the sermon, they lower Brad down. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith. Now, faith is this assurance in what you can't see. You know, the essence of faith is uh, being certain when other people would be uncertain. Just, just knowing when you can't quite see the evidence. That, that's what faith is. So, so invisibility is a huge key to faith. But faith itself should be seen. Faith shouldn't be invisible. Otherwise, it's not really faith. It's just good thoughts. Faith is always designed to be active and seen and visible. And so the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he says something totally surprising. He, he, he calls an audible. What they're there for is their friend who's paralyzed, who they want, they've heard Jesus had healing power. They want to see his physical body healed. And as they lower him down, Jesus doesn't address the physical peace. He addresses something deeper, something invisible. And he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus had the main thing on his mind. And he's setting up the whole crowd to show, show them who he really is. Because after he says this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they begin thinking to themselves, oh, well, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can do it? Jesus knew what they were thinking. He could, he could read their thoughts. It's like my mom growing up. She'd say, did you, did you sneak out last night and go to that party? I'd say, yeah, right. Because, yeah, yeah, right, I did. You know, like, yeah, right. And she would say this. She would go, Jesus knows. Jesus knows, and he's going to reveal it to me. And he did. And I got grounded. <laughs> Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? See, 
Notice something there. There's nothing wasted in Scripture. Where do we think? This wasn't just a thinking issue. This was a heart issue for them. This was a heart issue for the Pharisees. All throughout the Bible, I've said this a few times over the last couple of months, there are all kinds of people that are either amazed at God, perplexed by God and have questions, or skeptical and they have criticisms. People that are amazed, people that are perplexed, people that are skeptical. And the Pharisees, their, their default setting was on skepticism. And I want to challenge anybody in the room, including myself, that when God wants to show up and do something real, that our default setting wouldn't be of a skeptic because they miss it. You'll, you'll miss it in your skepticism. But I invite you to move into, if you're skeptical, to move into at least asking questions. Open the door like my friend who scratched out the D and went to C and began to consider. He went from skeptical to perplexed. That you would move in that direction where all of us at someday would be simply amazed at who God is. And he's about to amaze them in this story. Because he says, I know what you're thinking in your hearts. I know what you're thinking. Don't be thinking that. He goes on to say, which is easier? What do you want me to do, huh? I could say your sins are forgiven or I could say get up and walk. Now everybody's on the edge of their seat. And it go, it, it's like there's a little bit of, you know, like everybody's talking. And it's like, shh. Everybody's watching. Brad's hanging out. His four friends are through the roof. Hey, Susie. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Would you write this down? This is important for us. Physical miracles are designed to point to the greater miracle. The reason why miracles are considered signs are because miracles are not the destination. They are signs that lead to the destination. I'm praying that in 2019 that we would see physical miracles in this church. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. But not so that we can come in looking for physical miracles. Because if that becomes the heart of the church, you've actually missed the greater miracle. He never heals Brad just to show off his ability. He heals Brad to show them the deeper, greater miracle, the invisible miracle that happens on the inside out of every single one of us when we bow a knee to Christ and he says, your sins are forgiven. It's the greatest miracle. And we tend to put a whole lot of value on the physical and forget that, guess what? After Brad was healed, later... Brad still died. Like, we don't know it in Scripture, but I'm 100% sure Brad, the paralyzed man who's about to get healed in the story, a few years later, Brad died. Janet had a friend attending a funeral, and it was an open mic. This is just, this is spontaneous, I'm sorry. Open mic, and someone came up and did a poem. And they said... Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't you be worrying about Brad, because Brad 
is dead. <laughs> and they're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. True story. I digress. Let me back up. <laughs> so, physical miracles are designed to point to the greater miracle. I want to see God move tangibly. But listen, don't undervalue every time someone bows a knee to Christ. I mean, we applauded a hundred people made a decision to say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins at our die ball prison venue services? Wow. Wow. So Jesus looks at the paralyzed man and he says, I'm going to tell you something. Get up, take your mat and go home. What's that next word? Say it with me. Immediately. It wasn't, it wasn't this like music. It was immediately he stood up in front of him. Another guy falls out of the roof, shocked. Then he's healed. Okay, good to get up. Brad stands up immediately. He's healed. Look at this. That immediate timing shows us something. It shows us something about Jesus. It's a picture of salvation. That salvation is immediate. That that religious spirit wants us to add things to the immediate reality of Christ, where in a moment you were once blind and now you can see. You were paralyzed in your own junk and your own sin. And in a moment with Jesus, he can set things straight. It's how he works. And religious people for all, all sorts of time, ever since before Jesus, have been trying to add things to the immediacy. Like it's, 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 it's salvation plus this, plus the good person, plus these deeds, plus this. They were dealing with it in the Bible. You can read about it in the Bible that, that as people outside of the Jewish faith were becoming Christians, followers of Jesus, they began, some of the disciples began saying, okay, it's, it's faith in Christ, but they also, they also need to be circumcised. And so they began to add other other things to it because the Jewish faith, their boys were circumcised. If you were going to come into the faith, you could, could you imagine if we did that at starting point? Like, hey, if you want to be a part of the church, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Four weeks. At the end of the four weeks, girls, you come this way. We're going to show you where you can serve. Guys, we're going to take a trip to the annex. Do a little circumcision. I promise you our dream teamers would become 98% female <laughs> very quickly. They were trying to add stuff, add stuff. You don't add anything. It's just Jesus and his goodness. That's the picture of salvation. Immediately he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been lying on and he went home praising God. Would you write this down? Number nine. We all have a mat. We all have a mat. And some of you, years ago, you, you were able to take your mat and go home. There may be some in this room today, you're, you're still on your mat. You're stuck. We all have a mat. Why, why does Jesus say to this guy, 
take your mat with you. Could have left it there. I mean, there's already a hole in the room. I mean, what more? I mean, like, they were going to have to be picking up trash and straw, throw the mat away anyway. What's the big deal? Did he even need the mat anymore? But I can see Brad taking that mat home. A couple months later, when the guys come back over for the Jerusalem Jaguars, taking on the Bethlehem Bears. They show up with the hummus and the queso and the living room's been rearranged. They're on the wall, plexiglass over it. It's that old dirty mat. They say, Brad, you're keeping that thing? He said, I'm, he told me to bring it with me. It's a reminder. It's my reminder. And I wonder how many times over the years other friends would come over and the, the crew would get bigger and, and bigger and somebody would come over to the table and they'd be eating hummus and they'd say, hey, Brad, what's up with the mat? And the other guys are like, oh, no, no, don't get him started. Don't get him started. And Brad's like, I got to, guys. I got to. Years ago, I was paralyzed. These guys took me, just like to killed me, dropping me through a roof. You remember that, Keith? I remember. That was crazy. Brad has kids and his kids have kids and the kids come over for a holiday. Grandkids come over for a holiday. Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us a story. Oh, have I ever told you the story about the day I walked for the first time as an adult? Yes, Grandpa, you've told us that story a hundred times. Tell us another story. They were lowering me. We know through the roof, Grandpa, through the roof. We get it. We all have a mat. As I was in between services, I heard a couple of your mat stories. Where you were, how God moved, where you are. We all have a mat. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, Jesus can take anything and make it beautiful again. Let me leave you with these very quick thoughts. So if you and I, we see this story of these buddies in a mat, how are you going to be a buddy this Christmas? How, how to be a buddy this Christmas? Well, number one, let God's priority be your priority. And his priority is people. Beyond the presence, beyond the eggnog, would you just listen for opportunities to show people who Jesus is. I want you to believe this with conviction and I want you to say it out loud with me. Would you say this with me? Go. Every wayward person I know would live a vastly better life if God's love, grace, and redemption were operating in their lives. You may think they've got it all together, but if they don't know Jesus, they've got a mat. And they are tied to that man. Let God's priority be your priority. Next, I'm inviting you to crank up some courage. That you'd be willing to think about how you might be a part of God's priority. Dan, in a few moments as we dismiss, is going to give you some information on how to sign up to serve during the Christmas services. Right there on your app, the Timber Creek Church app. Maybe it's just breaking through that awkwardness and inviting someone to church with you. 
you might just be the one that lowers them through the roof. And the deal is at Timber Creek, we don't want to make it difficult like that. We want to be the kind of crowd that opens the front door wide. So all that want, all that would, all that will, they would come and take your mat with you. Have you thought about where you were before you met Jesus and what Jesus did in your life? Have you thought about that lately? Have you been able to share that? Could, 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 I, could I challenge you? If, if you're in a relationship with Jesus today during lunch, would you talk about your story? Talk about where you were and how God got a hold of your life? It may be as simple as when I was five years old and I was in children's church and I don't ever remember anything else but just serving Jesus. Or you may have a different story. We all have mats. They're just mats. But they can be, it's like it's hard to argue with someone else's mat. <laughs> like it's, a, it's, it's just a beautiful way to see how Jesus moves. Tell people, take your mat with you. Make it active. And the story ends. The whole story ends. Everyone was amazed. And they gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is my prayer for our Christmas services next week. That beyond the music, beyond the message, beyond the snow, that story isn't about the hole in the roof. There's a hole in the roof in the story, but the story isn't about the hole in the roof. The story is all about Jesus. And at Timber Creek, we got holes in the roof, but it's all about Jesus. Let's believe that we're going to be seeing some remarkable things. But you know what? Why wait? Why wait? Why wait till Christmas? Maybe you're here today. And you're in the intersection moment where God in his great mercy has allowed you to be a part of this service today. Not just to check it off the list. Not because just mom dragged you here. Not just because, well, I'm here with a friend. But that God ordained your steps so that you could do business with Jesus today. Would you close your eyes? Bow your heads. Right here, those of you watching in Dive Ball. This can be an immediate moment. God can forgive you of your sins immediately. Sins are what separate us. Where we say, I want to do what I want to do. I want to be on my throne. I, I, God is good. God's great. God's okay. But when it comes down to it, I want to make my own decisions. But when we surrender to him, we're saying, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you and what you want for my life beyond what I want for my life. And if you're here and you're ready to make that decision, I want to pray with you. I want to help you. You say, Pastor, I'm ready to surrender. First time or maybe the first time in a while, I'm ready to surrender to Jesus. I, I want what he wants for my life. I'm tired of doing it on my own. If that's you, would you just put a hand up in the air real quick? Real quick. That's me. That's me. That's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Oh, Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. He, 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 he knew this moment was coming. In your own words, you simply say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. 
I, I take the reins and I give them to you. I take the steering wheel and I scoot aside and I say, would you take control? I, I'm not a perfect person I, and I'm not going to be perfect after this, but would you guide me? I want to grow in knowing you more and allowing you to lead my life. I'm not going to wonder after this service, Jesus. I'm not going to bite my bottom lip and twiddle my thumbs and kind of wring my hands and wonder if you've actually, I know that right now, you are giving me a clean slate, a fresh start. Thank you for giving me this moment to make things right with you. In Jesus' name.